We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Take a piss, don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Butting Heads Podcast from Ramstalk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, this will be going out Wednesday morning, the day before the NFL season starts. It's here. Uh, they're playing at least week one. Uh, how long they play after that? Hopefully the whole year, but TBD. But how you feeling, man? We're on the brink. You know, it's always this time of year where I get little extra giddy and happy because football is just a big part of our lives and uh yeah i'm i'm hoping and and praying that this actually you know actually stays in the whole season but we'll get a better understanding if they continue to play after week two or three i feel like it's a good chance of it 
Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of unknowns. It could change at the drop of a hat. Uh, but I mean, as of today, we're heading into week one. Been doing tons of fantasy drafts. Hopefully, they weren't just a waste of my time. Uh, we'll see. So far, like I I feel like camp from all the teams has been pretty encouraging. That this thing will actually happen. Uh, it does seem like players and personnel are handling this about as well as they could, given the circumstances. But, yeah, we're here, man. Uh, we made it. It has been the probably most insane last six months in, like, the history of sports. Uh, easily going to go down as the, the, the most bizarre year in sports all over the landscape. And uh, we will see how the NFL adds to it. Some teams are going to have fans, I think. Some teams are not. It really doesn't make any sense. I mean... I I I can't. The Rams obviously will not have fans. Uh, that has been said so far. No fans week one. But like, it, it, some teams are having some fans. I think. Right. I mean, I don't know. There hasn't been a league wide mandate. Yeah. From from what I understand, there's uh, a few teams that are having like a few fans, but it's like literally less than ten thousand fans. So. Yeah, it's not many, but it's still a significant amount in the grand scheme of things, you know. Uh, certainly bigger gatherings than what has been allowed so far. So taking a big risk there, really. Yeah, I'm look. I'm looking through the list now. Uh, it the the Dolphins will have up to thirteen thousand fans. They said, and they're. Uh, they play week one at home, I believe. Uh, no, no, they don't. September 20th. So I'm trying to see if there's any any fans for week one. And, <laughs> of course, Jackson, Jacksonville will have around 17,000 fans uh, in their stadium for week one. Uh, the, the Chiefs will actually have fans on Thursday, around 16,000. I... I like a lot of teams have already ruled out fans for the whole season. It's it's gonna be bizarre. Uh, it's gonna cause like I I don't know. I feel like uh, beyond some teams having a home field advantage and some teams not, uh, which would be fairly significant, even if it's just a small amount of fans. Like I don't know. To me, it doesn't. It feels like it might be a health risk for people that will end up traveling to these games uh, from out of states that don't have fans, which will be most of the league, but. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we we will see what happens. It's 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 just bizarre to me that there's no league wide stance on this. I I really cannot believe that that we're going into week one and like four four or five teams will have fans and the rest of the twenty something teams won't. Yeah, you would think there'd be some kind of agreement or some sort of understanding, but. It just seems like the teams are like, well, we're going to do whatever we want kind of thing. Uh, to be fair, they most teams are sort of collaborating with where their, you know, uh, where where their local government laws are. So there's that. But even still, it's just it's kind of weird. It almost gives like an unfair advantage to certain teams. But, hey, you know, um until the the league steps up there's there's really nothing you can do about it yeah the the cowboys have 
said they're going to have fans. Um, but the Texans aren't, and they're in the same state. They haven't announced how many fans they're going to have. Uh, luckily, our game's at home, so we don't have to worry about it. Uh, but they, they fill up to 80,000 people. Texas laws allow up to 50% capacity. <laughs> so they could, in theory, have up to 40,000 people. But I even like even Jerry Jones, there's no fucking way they have 40,000 people. Uh, I, I I don't know what kind of bet I can make. If you want to make a bet with me on this, that the Cowboys won't have 40,000 fans at their games, you can hit me on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro. Uh, but anyways, we know the Rams won't have fans. So, I mean, let, let's talk about the Rams. We, we put out a tweet today asking how people are feeling about the team. If they had any questions for the show on Twitter today, at Talk Rams. Uh, we'll answer some of those as we go through the show. But we want to start with the the first unofficial depth chart came out uh, for the Rams today. Now, it, it's always funny to me that like unofficial depth charts are such a big deal. But they're really the closest thing that we get uh, to a official depth chart from teams usually before – like they trot onto the field for week one. It, the unofficial depth chart comes from the Rams official website. So it's, it's more or less like a, a, as close to a guess as you will get. It's what the depth chart is going to look like. So uh, the, the big, we'll go through the big takeaways starting on offense. One thing we did get Johnny, I thought this was a good place to start. Uh, the biggest takeaways are, you know, to me, the offensive line right now, is Joseph Noteboom at left guard and Austin Corbett at right guard around uh, Havenstein and Whitworth and Blythe, who were the returning starters from last year full-time. Uh, Malcolm Brown is currently listed as a starting running back. Cam Akers is third on the depth chart. And one one question we got from Rams fan Ashton on Twitter, at RamsFanAshton1, he asked, Chances the Rams are top five offense if a run game and O-line perform at a top tier level. Now, to me, if the run game and the O-line perform at a top tier level, it would it would be almost concerning uh, if we weren't a top five offense at that point. But I, the bigger question is, is that possible? And it's I, I don't really see this running game performing as a top tier running game if the line isn't performing near that level. And so, like, I'll, I'll propose this to you first, Johnny. I mean, right now it looks like Joe Noteboom is going to be the starting left guard, beating out David Edwards. Austin Corbett slides to the right guard. So, I mean, both guys that started quite a few games for us last year, uh, as did David Edwards, but he's the odd man out. I mean, do you see a world where this offensive line performs at a top-tier level? So when I'm thinking top tier, I'm thinking, you know, one of the best offensive lines in the league. And while I'd love to think that, I'd love to to say that the Rams offensive line would be a top tier offensive line. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, th- th- this is a team that while other than like maybe Andrew Whitworth, this is a relatively young team uh, for the offensive line. So there could be some room for growth. And for that reason, I do expect there to be some sort of improvement from, you know, last year. And, you know, if Joe Noteboom, let's Noteboom ends up being, you know, the guy that we all hoped for, 
that could be an improvement right there. Let's say Rob Havenstein um, is going to be the guy that we all know he can be. That That's an improvement right there. But even with all that said, I still don't think that the Rams have the players it takes to be an elite or a top-tiered offensive line. So that's something that you have to consider. Uh, as for the running game, that that's still a big mystery. Could it be possible that the Rams have a really good uh, run game? Sure, absolutely. I mean, we have a lot of promise in guys like Henderson and, and uh, um, Cam Akers. So with those two being, you know, relatively unknown talents that could spark you know uh, a decent run game but when you piece all of that together there's a lot of what ifs there's a lot of uncertainty so could I confidently say that this is going to be like a top five offensive unit uh no I can't um I think truthfully best case scenario we're looking maybe top 15 maybe top 10 if we're lucky but it it all stems down to as you said steve offensive line will the offensive line continue to improve from last year and if so this could be a, a decent offense but still far away from being like a top five offense uh offensive unit yeah it's I, I mean, I do think their ceiling, their absolute ceiling is a top five offense. But, like, for that to happen, we would need all of the following, let's say. Jared Goff would have to get back to his 2018 form. Tyler Higby's last five games of the season would have to be who he is actually as a player. Cam Akers would have to step in seamlessly and play at a level near to what Todd Gurley, not the same level, but near to what he was playing at uh, at his peak a couple years ago. Then... We would need Andrew Whitworth to not regress anymore. We would need Rob Havenstein to get back to his form. We would need Joe Noteboom to develop into a real legitimate starting guard. Uh, Same with Austin Corbett. He looked decent last year, but he would even need to get a little better. We would need all of those things to, like, happen perfectly for us to be a top five offense. Now, that's unlikely, but that being said, you know, I think – if if things go well, and you don't need every one of those things to happen for things to go well, top 10 is definitely a realistic uh, ceiling for this team if a handful of thing, those things happen. And I think they could. Uh, but it does start with the offensive line. And, you know, I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic because the team had opportunities to add to this offensive line. And... You know, after last season and the disaster that was the line for most of the season, you know, if they really didn't believe in this unit at all, I don't know if they bring in Cam Akers and Van Jefferson in the second round. You probably use one of those picks on an offensive lineman. Uh, I don't know if they bring in Leonard Floyd and Ashawn Robinson. You think you'd address the offensive line there with a little bit of that money. So I think they do believe in this offensive unit, uh, offensive line unit quite a bit. And I think there is a reason to be optimistic about it. Now, like you said, I don't n- really see a world where they perform at a top-tier lever- level. But, you know, if they're performing at, let's even say, like a top-16 level, a 
above the average of what an offensive line unit can perform in this league, then I think this team could be a top 10 offense. I think the running game as a result of that, and you know, if they're not an elite offensive line, it's going to depend on how quickly Cam Akers can step in and be the guy that we hoped he would be when we drafted him. Maybe Daryl Henderson's in the mix a little bit there. Uh, and we would need, you know, Jared Goff to get back to form a little bit. The offensive line was part of the reason why he took a step back last year. But, you know, in, in the positives from last year was that we let, we had the least amount of sacks in the league given up, which is insane if you watch the team last year. Like, that doesn't sound like a real statistic. And while Jared Goff wasn't doing a great job throwing under pressure, he was throwing under pressure and not getting sacked. And I think if the offensive line could be a little better, I think taking those bumps last year will ultimately be a positive for Goff's uh, development. So there's a lot of worlds, and I do feel good about this offense, and there is a lot of worlds where they become a top 10 offense, but we do need to see some of these things happen in action first. We have not had a preseason to see it. Uh, and there is a lot of, you know, there's uncertainty here. And it's part of the reason why, uh, <laughs> like, there's there's a guy on Twitter who ranked the Rams 25th in his power rankings. Uh, I don't want to deep dive into that. That's a little outrageous. But it's part of the reason why, you know, while we sit here and with our homework goggles on, we will say, you know, we expect this team to be back in the playoffs. But it's a lot. These uncertainties are a reason why, you know, national people wouldn't have the team in the playoffs. And that's fine. You know, 25 is a little outrageous. But uh, there are question marks here. And it's the questions start up front. And if they answer the questions in a positive way, there's going to be a big ripple effect to the next the rest of the offense. And I think we will see some genuinely great things from this unit if that happens. And if that happens and there isn't great things happening, then we have a, even bigger concerns, in my opinion. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. <laughs> that was a lot. Uh, I said a lot there. Johnny, We. I mean, before we move on from the offense, like, how do you feel about Joe Noteboom as the starting left guard going into the season? The we talked about that being a possibility. He started last season at left guard. Didn't look great, uh, but what? But wasn't the worst part of our offensive line by any means. Uh, I mean, I, are you confident that he'll, you know, he'll get better this year? Well, it's like I've been saying. Like if you've listened, uh, if you've listened to our podcast for you know a while, you'll know that I was one of the few people that just did not want to see no boom as as a tackle especially a left tackle um i do think that he has quite a bit of potential at guard and i i think it could be a good welcome sign for this offensive line if he progresses but um to answer the question do i think he can be effective at left guard absolutely i i don't think there's any reason why you should doubt that um if it happens week one or not, that's another question. You know, that that's tough to answer right this second, just because, as you mentioned, there hasn't been exactly much to go by. But it seems as though that there, there's there got to be something positive there with, with Noteboom, because 
to unseat a guy like David Edwards, who was for the most part the starter the entire season, you know, that that's impressive. You know, David Edwards wasn't perfect by any means, but he certainly was a guy that stepped in and fulfilled the role quite nicely. So I'm okay with uh, Nopum being there. He certainly has the right fit for the spot. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the offensive line does. They'll get a pretty good test against the Cowboys, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm not out on Nopum, and I think that there's something there as a player. But I also think that, to me, out of these three guys, Austin Corbett, Joseph Nopum, and David Edwards – I feel like David Edwards was, to me, pretty like firmly the best of the three last season. And, I mean, I'm look, I'm not an NFL offensive line coach, so I, I trust their opinions more than me. Uh, I'm not going to question this decision, but it it does leave like a little sour taste in my mouth that he's the odd guy out. And maybe, look, maybe I'm just wrong on this, but it, it's really surprising to me that uh, they went back to the nope, the nope boom well instead of gone with Edwards if they were going to keep Corbett in there you know I don't know though those guys are they're high they spent higher draft capital on Nope Boom and Corbett is obviously a much higher pick even though we didn't draft him so I don't know maybe they have a higher ceiling but it's I don't love that Edwards is the guy out and hopefully I'm wrong and they're they just know what they're doing more than me which I would (laughs) expect them to uh they should know more about this than me but it's just it's 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 not like shocking, but in a way, like I I'm still like taken aback a little bit by the fact that he's the odd guy out. Yeah, without a question, it, it's uh, it, it could be just also Sean McVay's way of uh, maybe him taking a step backwards to learn because he was kind of thrown in in the less than ideal situation and just kind of learning on the job. So maybe this is his way of, you know, preparing him for the future. You never know. Or maybe uh, Edwards is having a sophomore slump. Seems to happen more commonly nowadays. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and it's even if I think he's the better guy, like it's not – we're not talking like the difference between Pat Mahomes and Sean Manning here. Like it's it's not that huge of a gap. I, I I guess the other things on offense is Malcolm Brown is currently listed as a starting running back. I don't think that matters like at all. I think it's I'd be shocked if all three guys, assuming Henderson is active and healthy, which is not a certainty, you know, all three of those guys are going to get the ball on Sunday. Uh, I I if you think one of the, if you think Malcolm Brown's not going to have a role, I feel like you're just it, 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 with no preseason. There's no way he doesn't have a fairly big role I wouldn't be surprised if he led the team in carries week one but uh I mean I'm banking on Cam Akers still being the the lead back uh let's let's go to the defense here uh Eric Eric Dreyer on Twitter at edreyer4356 tweeted us he's asking do you think the Rams will value linebackers more with all the injuries in the future And, and it constantly being a weakness he noted that they had a chance for Troy Dye and decided to take a fourth tight end so we've talked about how, like, the Rams might just forget about this position completely and play three safeties more often than not with one linebacker. And based on what happened in the roster cuts, uh, 
they 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 sign Justin Hollins out of out of Denver, um, and they I mean I guess notable cuts they cut Clay Johnson, uh, they cut Derek Moncrief and and uh, Daniel Batuli, the two guys they brought in late in the process. Right now on the depth chart, it's Micah Kaiser and Troy Reader at the position. Uh, backing them up are Justin Hollins and Kenny Young. But to answer uh, Eric's point, I really hope that like they're just confident they only need to play one of these guys. And you know, if if you've been listening to the podcast, you know you're preaching to the choir. I feel like all we've talked about for the last four months is how insane it is that they're just completely ignoring this position. My hope is that they really are just confident with the scheme of playing safeties around there, having an extra DB on the field with one linebacker. Uh, but if if their plan is to play two inside linebackers more often than not, uh, it is like unbelievably confusing what they've done over the past five months. And if Micah Kaiser and Trey Reader both play or whoever's starting in that spot, let me just say, like, if two inside linebackers play over 70% of the snaps on Sunday against the Cowboys, I will be absolutely fucking baffled that this is the route they chose to go with this position. Uh, if they really felt like they need inside linebackers and they were like, eh, whatever we have is fine. Like, let's just let's just go to the, the scrap bin and we'll pick up Justin Hollins and this guy that we got in the Marcus Peters trade and these two linebackers who in Kaiser and Reader who have literally done nothing on the field and we'll be fine. Those guys will be great. Uh, I, I just, like, I... I don't know. Like, if that happens, I will be so confused. But to me, like, no, I don't think they're going to value linebackers because it seems like they don't give a shit about the position, and maybe that's because they only plan on playing one. Uh, And even if you're going to play one, I don't love what we have, but it it makes it easier to swallow. Yeah, basically, when you look at it like this, the Rams essentially, if you want to throw in Hollins there for – for uh, backup, I guess you can. But before they even got Hollins, they only had three inside linebackers on the roster. And the reason why I'm kind of putting Hollins aside is because even Sean McVay's comments were that they seem to value Hollins more as an outside linebacker than an inside. Yep. He, he briefly mentioned, oh, yeah, he could play in the inside also. And very nonchalantly, like, yeah, if need be kind of thing. So when you get that kind of response from Sean McVay, you have to assume that Hollins is going to ultimately be back uh, a reserve role for the outside linebacker. And that would be primarily it, you know, with on occasion, maybe inside. That said, if you're really only counting three inside linebackers, the way I'm looking at it is they're going to have one starter at there's essentially only one inside linebacker. And yes, the unofficial depth chart shows two inside linebackers, but that could just be a standard, you know, this there's very little, you know, (laughs) validity to this unofficial depth chart. So I am totally expecting this to be primarily only one inside linebacker for most of the snaps and that's fine you know and it it doesn't it doesn't have to be a traditional three four system because it's not 
you know, if it really, really was, you would see a lot more inside linebackers on the depth chart. You wouldn't see the Rams just kind of throw away Clay Johnston, which is kind of a surprise to me still. Um, and yeah, that that's basically it. They do, to their credit, they do have quite a few inside linebackers on the practice squad, which we'll get to later. But yeah, that, I, I really don't think they value inside or any really of the inside linebacker position at all. Uh, outside, of course, I think they're going to have uh, uh, quite a few in the future anyway, try and bring in more outside linebackers. It's just this year they really did not have the money. They brought in Leonard Floyd, which is essentially another Dante Fowler type contract. Yeah, and, we'll and see not, how that pans out. Probably not as good of a player, but that's another no. discussion. Yeah, not not at all. But still, you know, if if uh, Leonard Floyd ends up panning out, we can expect uh, Floyd not to be back next season again. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do expect them to at least pay attention to the outside linebacker position in the future, but not necessarily inside linebacker. It seems they are totally content with them, you know, playing more safeties, which could be beneficial in certain ways. Yeah, and and you mentioned that they they kept some guys on the practice squad. They kept Derek Moncrief, Natres Patrick, uh, Christian Roseboom, and Daniel Batuli. Pretty much all all guys that were in discussion for making the team. I believe you had Christian Roseboom making the team. So uh, we'll get more into the practice squad later. But those guys are around. And honestly, I believe you can have you you can have two players from your practice squad active every week this season. Uh, is one of the new rules. So it wouldn't be shocking if, you know, every week one of the two guys ended up being one of those four dudes. Uh, Clay Johnson ended up on the Panthers practice squad, so he's not here. Uh, he was cut, and then he probably chose to go to uh, Carolina where he knew some of the coaches rather than here. Other than, other than the, the inside linebacker spot on the defense, uh, Micah Kaiser, the long-established starter who has never started a game for the Rams, is <laughs> one of the linebackers. There's not really any surprises at all or anything of, like even a note. Sebastian Joseph Day is stepping into the starting spot on the defensive line with Deshaun Robinson out. Uh, no, no nickel corner or anything like that listed, so we don't have an, a guess at an answer there. Samson Ibukam and uh, Leonard Floyd are the starting outsides. Um, yeah, it pretty by the books after that. But we do have to touch on this, Johnny. The last, the last unit on the team, the special teams, Sam Sloman, winning the kicker job. We will never have to try and pronounce Liram's name again, probably. Uh, but Sloman, the guy they drafted in the seventh round, all reports were that he like didn't have a great camp. But they must have seen something to to make him the choice. It does concern me a little bit to have a completely unproven rookie from a not so big time college as our kicker. But the last time we did that, it was Greg Zerline, and it went fairly well. So I mean, I I can't even say I trust the special teams anymore because Fossil's not here. But I I'm I'm happy that we had three kickers on the roster at some point, and I. I'm 
cautiously optimistic to see what Sloman has, but we'll we'll see. It's you know, I'm not gonna go as much as I love talking about kickers. I'm not gonna say here and go 15 minutes on Sam Sloman. <laughs> yeah, as far as as far as Sloman is concerned, um, it I will say one thing, and before we can move on, uh, the fact that the Rams didn't actually add another kicker on the practice squad and they had two options. It shows their confidence in Sloman. So there's that. I mean, they could always give a, give a call. I'm sure that these guys will be available uh, should Sloman not, you know, come up to par. But we'll see. I, I, I'm. I mean, we again, we still have very little knowledge on the guy. Yep. It, yeah. There's not really much much more to say on Sloman. I, I I am a little surprised they didn't they didn't think about keeping like Austin McGinnis on the practice squad or uh, even Hira Lahu, but I'm not sure he would have stayed. I mean, I guess the thinking is like you don't need these guys at practice, and if things don't work out with Sloman, like one of them will probably be there. Uh, like one of them will probably be available. So we'll see. I, I guess before we get into the other topics, we could just hit the practice squad real quick because we did touch on a lot of the players. Uh, so these are the 15 guys that didn't make the Rams, but they did keep on their practice squad. Linebacker Daniel Batuli, tight end Kendall Blanton, center Cole Cabral, defensive tackle Marquise Copeland, defensive back Dante Dion, guard Jamil Denby, defensive tackle Michael Hawk, defensive back Juju Hughes, wide receiver J.J. Koski, DB Tyreek McGee, linebacker Derek Moncrief, linebacker Natras Patrick, QB Bryce Perkins, Linebacker Christian knows Christian Roseboom and defensive end Jonah Williams. I uh, the so I'm trying to pull up the Rams step chart again because there were some definitely some surprises on guys making the team. Uh, no, John Kelly, he's not in the practice squad. They did keep Xavier Jones, as I believe Johnny, you correctly predicted. Uh, Tristan Jackson makes a team as a six wide receiver, along with Simba Webster uh, and the back end of the receiver depth chart. Eric Banks makes a team as a defensive tackle. Ja'Kai Polite, who we both predicted, did wind up making the active roster. Uh, and Nick Scott, I'm going to take the win on that one. He did make the team. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Bryce Perkins on the practice squad was one thing we all definitely, where we both definitely expected to happen. I mean, any other thoughts on here? Uh, you know, Dante Dion was a guy we both had making the active roster. He found himself in the practice squad. Uh, Jamil Demby lives lives to fight another day. He finds himself in the practice squad as well. Can we cut Jamil Demby and bring back John Kelly? <laughs> no, he, Demby's fine on the practice squad. Is he? <laughs> Did John, John <laughs> Kelly end up anywhere? Uh, no. To my knowledge, Cleveland, Cleveland practice squad. There you have it. Yeah, I, I'm glad because clearly he was not going to get the opportunity here. The Rams technically have five running backs on their roster if you count um, Raymond Calais. Yep, I, I meant so... to mention that Raymond Calais uh, poached like immediately off the Tampa Bay practice squad, and we actually haven't cut anybody to make room for that transaction. So one of those guys we just mentioned might be cut or it's also possible that, 
or I would say more than likely that Terrell Lewis or Daryl Henderson get added to the IR to make room for that signing. But continue on. More likely it'll be Daryl Lewis. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I'm glad that that Kelly's getting an opportunity in uh, Cleveland. Hopefully, he'll get some time to get on the active roster at some point. Just because I do think he's gifted, and it's just not. It was just wasn't going to work in Los Angeles. Clearly. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I wasn't that surprised to see him not make the team, even though I predicted it. Uh, I'll take the L. I also wasn't very confident that he would make it. Um, but, yeah, glad glad we were able to keep Dan around as a practice squad guy. Wouldn't be surprised if he was, more often than not, one of the two guys called up to the active roster uh, from the practice squad. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C., Almost half of DC's traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. DC police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Let's let's go to the before we before we get to the Cowboys game, we do have to talk about this. Um, the Mike Bar three tweeted at us. It's getting concerned about Jalen's contract. We'll do the happy dance if when it happens, but starting to think it's not happening. Now there hasn't been any real developments on this, but there has been a lot of tea leave readings. A lot of like Jalen Ramsey. He posted uh, an Instagram story the other day, quoting a song about your price going up uh, after a couple cornerbacks players have signed contracts a lot of extensions have been happening uh, in the last couple days I guess most relevant to us DeAndre Hopkins just signed a two-year 54 million extension uh, with Arizona makes him the highest paid non-quarterback annually in the NFL at 27 million uh, per year on that deal Uh, good on him well deserved but yeah Ramsey not locked up yet Uh, the quote the most recent quote from Les Snead on the subject he said I think you know from covering us the last couple of years, those things, if we're able to get something done, it's usually right in these next couple of days is that window of time that's been kind of consistent for us summer guys. So there's a couple of key players that, of ours that we are still working, and whether or not we're able to get it done, we remain optimistic. That's, that, that's where we're at. No further updates on any of those contract statuses with some of our players. That obviously, you know, in addition to Ramsey, would the biggest guys there would be Cooper Cup, obviously, and also John Johnson. But Ramsey is, you know, the biggest topic because we gave up a lot to get him. And I don't, you know, if if we don't extend Cooper Cup or John Johnson and we franchise tag those guys, you know, they're 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 coming. They're gonna be here. I don't think either of those guys wouldn't play on a franchise tag. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey would play on a franchise tag. Uh, and I wouldn't blame him if he didn't because, you know, in the conversation with these guys, he's in a much higher tier at his position. He's – and we gave up a lot to get him in the building. And I would say – like I 
sunk cost and all that, but it would be more or less a disaster if he isn't on the team past this season, uh, giving up two first round picks to get him for a year and a half. You know, unless he comes out this season is back to being the best corner in the league and we win a Super Bowl. Beyond that happening, if he's not on the team in 2021, that trade's going to be a disaster. And it's, you know, it's a little concerning. We don't have something done. I'm sure they're, you know, at odds. And hopefully something does happen in the next couple of days. But, yeah, it's definitely a cause for concern. I, I would say right now I do think he remains with the Rams long term and ultimately does sign an extension. I mean, if Les Need has proven to do anything, it's that he loves giving players shitloads of money, sometimes unwarranted. So, you know, if he's going to hand out all those extensions and not extend Jalen Ramsey, you know, that's bad. That whole trade is really a disaster if, if he doesn't get extended. You know, um, I feel like as something like this, with so much to lose and so much invested in Jalen Ramsey. I think that's why fans are like super anxious for something to happen and understandable. You know, this, this would probably quite possibly be the worst transaction ever. If, you know, less need gets essentially nothing out of what he gave up because they couldn't get a, an agreement signed. That being said, I don't think there's anything to really worry about just yet. I kind of figured something like this would happen. I, and truthfully, I did think some they'd sign him a little sooner, but I think a testament to that is also because the whole COVID situation, I don't think that they've had really much to work with in terms of that so i i I think that sneed will try his best to get ramsey signed and as quickly as possible but it's definitely not going to be a simple contract regardless you know this is going to be an expensive contract and this roster is filled with expensive contracts so sneed has to be very methodical on how he actually approaches this and you know because there are other contracts he has to worry about it isn't just Jalen Ramsey you brought up Cooper Cup you brought up John Johnson all very very important along with other guys that they have to make decisions on like Josh Reynolds who I highly doubt will be back next year but we'll see no Uh, no fucking shot he's back no no way no (laughs) <laughs> and then, of course, there's Gerald Everett, who's probably going to walk too. Yeah. Uh, also, I, mean, I would, I think it's more likely he's back than Josh Reynolds. But I don't, I don't think either of them are coming back. No, nah, I'd highly doubt it. So there, there's quite a bit for Snead to think about. It isn't just as simple as, oh, here's money, Ramsey. You know, just sign on the dotted line here. If it were that easy, he'd be signed a while ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, don't lose hope just yet but also be cautiously optimistic because uh you can expect ramsey commanding a huge huge massive contract yeah i i will say this you mentioned it might be the worst 
transaction ever. Uh, it is definitely not the worst transaction ever if he doesn't sign, but it's certainly a disaster. I mean, don't forget the the Bears traded a third, fourth, and additional third round pick to move up one spot in the 2017 draft to take Mitchell Trubisky. So I mean, <laughs> there there's been there's been some real stinkers, but it, it'll be up there, uh, and especially considering. <laughs> we also signed the Nick Foles. <laughs> yeah, we we uh we traded up for Tavon Austin, then extended him. Uh, and not to mention, as part of this trade, you know, if he does leave, don't forget that we basically traded Marcus Peters for nothing. Uh, as part of this transaction to make room for Ramsey, Peters was an All Pro last year after he left, and also signed an extension. Uh, to stay with the Ravens, so. I don't know, man. It's there's nothing we can do really. It's just talking about it, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Even if he's not extended by opening day, it's it, it, thing talks are going to be ongoing for a while. <sighs> well, we got football to preview, man. We got a real game. We got a real game. The Dallas Cowboys are coming into SoFi Stadium. No fans. But the opening day of this billion-dollar project uh, out there in Inglewood. Uh, at Moy Ruff, Moy the Rough Rider on Twitter, he tweeted us and said, he's interested to see how our front seven handles their offensive line and brutal run game and how their non-existent DBs will fare against a seemingly pretty aggressive passing attack. As this is good. I asked how we think this is going to play out. So, I mean, the... How our front seven will handle their offensive line and run game, to me, is going to make or break this game. And last year, we didn't handle fucking anything against this team. They absolutely wiped us off the face of the earth. And uh, I th- I believe, I'm going to pull up the, the box score, but I'm pretty sure that both Ezekiel Elliott and Corey Littleton, or Corey Littleton, you can tell where my brain is going, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, yep, both of them ran for 100 yards, each of them. Uh, They had 263 rushing yards on the afternoon. Uh, They completely smacked us apart. And so now we're looking at a team that doesn't have Dante Fowler and doesn't, especially doesn't have Corey Littleton up front. Like, I, you know, I feel good about the Rams season this year but like the more I think about this matchup man like their their running game trampled us last year and I don't know if they're like you got to do some real with Aishon Robinson not playing unless you just have full full faith in Brandon Still I mean you got to do some real mental gymnastics to think that like our run our rush defense it's going to be like much better than last year. I don't know. I don't know. Is that a crazy thing to say? Well, uh, it isn't because, you know, <laughs> the run game did have its way uh, with the Rams offense, unfortunately, or with the Rams defense rather. So um, it, it's not a terrible observation to say that this could be, this could be another disappointing matchup if they don't get the run uh, defense contained. 
that said, there is some key losses for the uh, Cowboys, particularly with the injury bug, and that's the loss of their beloved right tackle, Lyle Collins, who is now out for the season. That is a huge blow, and I I think that's a bigger blow than what people realize. And I'm not entirely sure if uh, uh, with Tyron Smith, I – I, I think um, I think he was banged up. Am I wrong there, Steve? Last year or right now? No, no, this year. This year. Uh, I will find that out for you. Well, well, Steve's finding that out for us because, you know, I'm super prepared for this. Uh, I, I have to say <laughs> – <laughs> the... Go ahead. I, I feel like he's uh... – I feel like he's healthy right now. I don't. I don't see anything uh, injury wise right now around Tyron Smith. He Bummer. he was banged okay. up last year. Oh wait, no, you're right. He left practice with a uh, with an injury the other day, but it doesn't seem concerning because I there's like one article about it. Well, there you have it. Uh, unfortunately, we'll have to contend with uh, Tyron Smith, but. Still, even even with Smith in the starting lineup, there, you're you're gonna have to really adjust without the services of Collins. He he was certainly one of the better offensive linemen on the team, um, not the best, obviously, but certainly one of them. So there's that that could have huge implications there. And on top of that, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Staley. Now that he's seen last year's game, maybe he'll have uh, a better answer for it than, you know, Wade Phillips did. So um, I don't know. It's something that we'll have to keep an eye on. But uh, I, I think that as long as Aaron Donald continues to be Aaron Donald, this could still be a very disruptive defense. Yeah. Uh, Travis Frederick, too, is gone. Uh, Their starting center from last season retired obviously a very good player so you know th- those are two those are two pretty significant losses that we mentioned on the offensive line so wow i don't know if our our run defense is going to be like better than last year uh at least until we get a back you know what you what you just mentioned is definitely important stuff with the offensive line and maybe as a result we'll be a little better and be able to take on ezekiel Elliott and tony Pollard more. but he, it's you know, this is this is the kind of game where we're definitely gonna miss Corey Littleton like a lot because you know even like who's gonna guard these guys in the passing game? You know, it's gonna have to be a safety coming up or like dare I say, Micah Kaiser. Who's gonna defend the tight ends? You know, I don't. I'm not a big Blake Jarwin believer. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but like you still gotta account for him. And we don't without Littleton, who would be the guy usually defending those positions. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna fall on a safety most likely, but if it, or it's gonna fall on an inside linebacker, and if it falls on those guys, I truly don't have any faith. Um, but that being said, I mean he also mentioned their their non-existent secondary. I I do feel good about the offense heading into this matchup, even though I don't feel great about the defense. Uh, I I think you know Jared. I th- I think it's good. we're gonna look pretty good, especially passing. I I feel good about the passing game. There's some continuity there. Uh, and if we could get the run going at all, which last year Todd Gurley had 
11 carries for 20 yards and no other running backs touched the ball in this matchup. Uh, yeah, I, I think that I, I feel good about the passing game, at least in this matchup. Yeah, I, I think um, part of the reason why last year was such a flop offensively was just because you didn't have any sort of continuity other than the passing game. And even then, there was still things being figured out. So when you're so doubtful of your running game, they only run the ball 11 times to the same guy that you've basically been questioning the entire season. That doesn't exactly express the talent that you see on your offense. This year, I think it's going to be a lot different because whether or not we know definitively who's going to be the ball carrier, the primary ball carrier, I do feel like this year we're it, they're going to see way more than 11 carries. So as long as they don't, you know, completely abandon the run like they did last year, I think offensively this is going to be a much closer game uh, because of it. And, and if you go back to our previous game against the Cowboys, which was the divisional round of the playoffs uh, when we went to the Super Bowl two years ago, it was the opposite story. We had two guys rush for 100 yards in Todd Gurley and my man, C.J. Anderson, and they had Ezekiel Elliott run 20 times for 47 yards, and that was it. So, you know, it's a tale of two games there, and but the big thing is, you know, how close are we – skill-wise and talent-wise, to that 2018 team. And, uh, you know, you got to be a little crazy to say, well, we're not, you know, I don't know. That that team was nasty. And maybe if, if a lot of things go right, we can get to that level. But, you know, we're going to need Cam Akers to really perform in a big way to get to that level. We're going to need actual linebacker play to get to that level. Uh you know, you would think that the defensive front wasn't that much different, but we did have Nadamkin Sue on that team. We even had Mark Barron as a linebacker. So there were more run stoppers than we have now. That's not to say that we can't contain the run, but that I think that battle between their running backs and the rushing game and our front seven is what's going to make or break this matchup for us. We need to at least contain that. We can't give up 250 yards again on the ground. Even if we give up 100, it's, it's doable. We could still win that game. But it, it they, they, need, they need to at least come close to winning that battle for us to, to, to get a real shot here. And I, I, I'm not confident that that'll happen, but I, I do think it's doable. Uh, before, before the year... Uh, when we did our schedule preview, I predicted a 27-20 to 20 Dallas victory. Honestly, before this show, I kind of forgot I did that, and I was trying to quit. I just trying to remember why I did that, and talking about the game last year reminded me why I did that. I, I am still very confident in the Rams as a playoff team in 2020, but I'm going 30-27 to 27 Dallas here. Uh, I need them to, to prove to me that they can – you know, do this against Dallas after last year, the way that game turned out, I cannot pick them right now to win this game. But obviously I hope I'm wrong 
and I have it 30 to 27. So I do think this is going to be a close game. I don't think we're going to get blown out again, but I'm not ready to make the call in picking us. That game was 44 to 21 last year, and that score is closer than it looks. Or sorry, that score numbers wise is closer than it was. It was not even that close. Well, uh, my prediction was that the Rams are going to win this game, and I'm still standing by it because I do believe that the Rams have improved in certain areas. One of the areas that you mentioned being the ground game, I'm not, uh, or the uh, ground defense rather, I'm not confident that they have improved that much, but I'm also confident that the Dallas Cowboys offensive line isn't as good as it was last year. So all that said, I'm still standing by it. I don't remember what I predicted in terms of score wise. Did you? I didn't write, I didn't write yours down. I just wrote down that you picked them to win. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll go with that. I'll, I'll just make up a number on the spot here. Uh, I'm going to say a, 35 to 24 victory for the Rams. I would. Uh, I'm really confident. Yeah, man. I I I feel good. Uh, I do feel good about the team right now. And even like, look, if we lose this game 30 to 27, don't walk out of this game feeling bad about the Rams. You know, I think any outcome in a close game here, no matter if it's an offensive battle or a defensive struggle, is is. If we don't get smacked in this game, I'm going to feel good because Dallas is a good team, and they're a beatable team, and I think we we have a good shot of beating them here. Uh, but it's like a, a loss here isn't the end of the world. This is a good Dallas Cowboys team. They have a lot of continuity. They have a lot of talent. Uh, we have some continuity. We have some new guys, but um, I, 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 I still feel good. And I, I feel like this is going to be a good game, and I'm hoping we come out on top. Even if I didn't pick us, you know, I would say I'm like 55% Dallas, 45% Rams, and who's going to win this game? And uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, I predicted the Rams to start the season 6-2. and two, So it's one game out of the first eight here. All right, I'm not, I'm not Mr. Pessimist here. Uh, who, who are you most excited to see play on Sunday? Oh, man, there's so many, but I think the obvious answer here has to be Cam Akers just because we know that this guy is, or at least we know that the move here was to make him be the future of the Rams. So you you can't help but be excited to see what Cam Akers finally does. And since he's on my fantasy team this year, I'm hoping he goes over 100. I don't think so. (laughs) But... um. And then hopefully Cooper Cup gets over 200 yards, you know, because he's on my fantasy team also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I think I, I'm most excited to see Tyler Higby. I want to know if those last five games were real or not. I, I want to see if he goes uh, for 100 yards in this game. The takes are going to be so hot. And, you know, I – I fucking hate how high Yahoo has him ranked uh, in fantasy because, you know, I keep wanting to draft him, but because he's ranked so high and he's not ranked as high in a lot of other rankings, uh, he goes so high and I haven't been able to get him. 
Uh, even though I really like him a lot as a fantasy option this year, I just haven't been able to get him at a value I like. Uh, and it bums me out a little because I'm excited about him. And I hope it's real. I'm excited for Van Jefferson, uh, see if there's anything there. And I'm pretty excited for Jalen Ramsey. Just, you know, an uninspiring 2019 season. Uh, I think he's going to come out swinging this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Van Jefferson is another guy to watch out for, especially if, um, you know, Jared Goff even somewhat returns to the 2018 status. Uh, you know, you can expect him to spread the ball out more. And uh, Van Jefferson, I imagine, is going to be looking to uh, make an impact any way he can, especially if he wants to, you know, move up in the depth chart uh, above Josh Reynolds, which I, I totally expect him to do so uh, at some point this season, maybe not in the first couple of weeks, though. Yeah, we'll see. And I think they'll both they'll both play. No, I don't I don't think the snap splits between the two of them will be too high. Uh I, I don't know. We'll split. It'll depend on how much twelve personnel we run. It'll, it'll depend on. It'll depend. On, there's a lot of factors, and we we don't we don't know how this offense is going to look because we haven't seen anything. There's been no preseason, so it's it's going to be a wild week one, and and I I can't wait for it to happen. Uh, and thank you to anyone who submitted questions on Twitter uh, all season long. If you tweeted us at Superbarrel at Johnny Five Nut Six at Talk Rams. Any anything about the the show or the Rams uh, and it's addressed to us, we will we'll talk about it on the show for sure. Uh, and if you're not on Twitter, you could email us ramstalk1945 at gmail dot com uh, and ask questions or anything there. Johnny, I do have a quick announcement before we wrap up. I have decided, and I'm putting it into place here, that our outro theme will be the old Budding Heads theme song that featured uh, none other. Than our boy Marcus Peters in the soundbite, and we're gonna <laughs> keep it all season. <laughs> it's too good, man. It's too good to waste. I don't mind it, man. I love that soundbite too. So uh, yeah, we're we're always looking for soundbite suggestions. So keep, send them our way if you like anything. Uh, for Johnny, this is Steve. We'll talk to you next week, hopefully after a Rams victory. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. DC police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual. 
because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.